hey, welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. My name's Randall. I'm an alcoholic and your host. What we do here is pretty simple. We talk about addiction, recovery, how we got sober, and how we stay sober, all from some of the Upper East Side's finest diners. Sorry we've been quiet for a little bit. Lots going on here at Sober HQ, but we're super glad to be back. Today, it's breakfast with our good friend Jane. She writes the Sober Girls edition on Substack, and we're talking about anniversaries, being spies, and keeping plates spinning. You don't want to miss it. Get a cup of coffee and join us. Breakfast with an Alcoholic. All right, all right. I don't know. Am I supposed to say welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic, or are you supposed to say that? Maybe I'm supposed to say it. Maybe we both say it. Hello. Welcome to Breakfast with an Alcoholic. Yeah, I think if we start saying things in unison... <laughs> People will unsubscribe. Well, they would certainly won't listen beyond that. You never saw the Donnie and Marie show back in the 70s. No, but I did see I was an avid I Love Lucy watcher back in the day. Okay. I'm not sure where that takes us exactly, but um, thank you. Just all these old TV things? Is that what you just wanted to point out? That yeah, I guess. You know a lot of old things. Yeah, you know, I have. I, I get really upset. I've been getting upset with people saying, you're wise beyond your years. You know, I'm just going to tell you this. I think it's way better to have someone say, you're wise beyond your years, than to just say, wow, you're very wise. <laughs> I would like to pivot to something very important to me, being that your anniversary is coming up. It is. It is tomorrow, October 22nd. Are you, how are we feeling about your anniversary? Uh, we've had, we have had very mixed feelings about it. Um, and it's funny to me how the feelings have changed from year to year. I mean, my, my first year, I celebrated, I was living at the Sober House. Mm -hmm. I had arrived here in New York like two months before. The feeling I think when you wash up on a beach after the shipwreck and you're like, huh, I'm okay. Like I'm here I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you really have a sense for, or at least I didn't, for what comes next. Yeah. Did you wash up on a deserted island or did you wash up on a populated island? Well, it turns out it was a populated island. Okay. Because I, I did wash up on a populated island, island of Manhattan, and which is very populated. Yeah. And it, but it was the people that found me. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got to where I where I got. Did you say those people were kind of like life preservers that you found on said island? I don't know how I would describe them. There were times when it kind of felt like. They were picking over, <laughs> like I'm laying on the beach and they're like checking my pockets. <laughs> Who is this? Is there anything they ever taking? But of course it wasn't like that. It was just right? it's a very diverse collection of folks who live in a sober house. Um, <laughs> a little bit. No, I mean like a fascinating mix. I mean, I mean you know you have someone like me, you know, on the older side. Um, you had a lot of younger guys who were, you know, making their first stab at it. Um, you know, there was like a guy who was a steel worker. Like he literally went to work on skyscrapers. Oh my God. And he also played the classical piano. And when I moved out of the sober house, came and tuned my piano for me. Oh my God. It was just the weirdest collection of like really talented, because that, that was the strain. Everyone kind of has like a secret talent. Yeah. Um, that, that you would be very surprised. Like, that was one of them. 
I think that that is the beauty of AA as a whole is that the group of people, I was just talking about this with my sponsor the other day, or yesterday, there are people that I'm friends with, you know, felons and people that I never imagined would ever be my best friends that keep me sober every single day. And I think that's that's really something that sometimes, I don't want to say gets overlooked, but I think that people don't realize when they're first coming in is that we are all so different sometimes, but we have that one common thread and it kind of bonds us forever. Well, it, it 100% does. Yeah. Um, and I think that commonality in the traits, I mean, I like to refer to them as symptoms. I think since it's a largely, you know, a mental disease, a yeah. brain disease, like, of course, we're going to think in similar ways, I think. I mean, we have different experiences, but, right. you know, I, I have a unschooled, uneducated view that, you know, the brain is kind of mechanical. You know, it's it's not like a ghostly thing that electrical chemical stuff goes in and electrical chemical stuff comes out and muscles move and I think things and I, I don't know. But I mean, it just seems very mechanical to me sometimes. Coming back to you, so I would love to know what you were like when you were out and drinking and what you are like now three years later. That's a good question. Um, when I was out, I would say I was constantly spinning plates. I was always on. And I was the kind of drinker, like I drank all day, every day. And I was never like unconscious. So I, would, I, would, I was always on. And so I was always putting up the smoke screen. Like, I'm sober. I'm not going to tell you exactly how long, because then, like, that generates too many questions that I can't really keep answering in a consistent way. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I created this, this kind of hologram of myself that was mostly designed to kind of keep all the plates spinning and allow me to keep drinking. That's a really, really, really interesting way to put it that I actually wrote down because I feel the same way. And what you just said is so true. Like I was always on when I was drinking. Okay, so 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 yeah. So I mean I was always projecting this hologram. And and the weird thing about my life at that time as I look back on it is I felt most like myself. I was most me when I was drinking. Interesting. Because drinking is when I could kind of stop doing the hologram thing. Yeah. The hologram was for the benefit of all the people who didn't know I was drinking. Yeah. Didn't want to know how bad things were. Well, yeah. they wanted to know. I didn't want them to know. Um, so, so drinking was what made me feel like me. Like you, yeah. Now, of course, that's a huge lie. Right because drinking just helped me maintain this life that included the necessity of projecting this hologram. Yeah. And, and you know, so, you know, you're basically living at least two lives. Yes. 
Absolutely, a double life. At least, say. right? And depending on people in your life and relationships, I mean, it gets out of hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of the reason that I think alcohol and alcoholism isolate you is because it makes it impossible to tell a coherent, believable story yes. to everyone in your life. Yeah. You can't possibly. Yeah. There's just too many plates in the air. Yeah. Too many plates spinning. So in comparison, from when you were out, I would also love to know what it was like, how it's different from your first year to now celebrating your third. Um, well, the, the first year, I think, would be, if it was a one-word description, it would be like, woof. Um, Does that to, count as a word? Woof. W-H-E-W? I think 100% counts as a word. Look it up in a Scrabble dictionary. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, but that first year, like, I wasn't going to AA meetings. I mean, I wasn't drinking. Um, but I was very much like a, a dry drunk that year. That, that's interesting because I've never, I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. So what made you, where was that pivot to, stop laughing at me, where was that pivot to, meetings and because I know how you are with like the big book like where did that change for well, you? I mean I, I got sober because I got cornered and I was in a relationship with someone who was a doctor <laughs> Good. and she was under the impression that I was sober and taking an abuse every day and we actually were meeting here in New York um, for a few days, we both had to be here, and I, of course, drank uh, to celebrate her arrival. Plus, her plane was late, and I feel like she knew that evening that I perhaps had been drinking, mm -hmm. because the next morning um, we had not a conversation about have you been drinking. It was simply a conversation about have you taken your antibiotics yet today? Got it. And that became a thing. Got it. Um, and, you know, antabuse is the drug that makes you tremendously sick if you drink. And, like, it works. <laughs> uh, it worked for me. And that really left me no choice. Because when I would take that antabuse tablet, like, that was three, four days that I couldn't drink. Yeah. Tack on to the fact that it was the pandemic soon thereafter. So, like, where does an alcoholic who was used to sneaking off and drinking in bars by himself... Like, that doesn't work anymore. No. So between the abuse, the constant supervision that a relationship can bring, and the pandemic, I basically had no choice but to not drink. Yeah. That was my first year. <laughs> I would describe it nice. as no choice. Except then the relationship ended. Yeah. And I knew that um, if I just was back on my own again, we'd be off to the races. Yeah. And so that was August. Uh, and that's when I had this remarkable, like the first of many little miracles. And it was, I found a therapist um, in Florida where I'd been living. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't usually take people on, but she was like, okay. And we started meeting by Zoom because it was the pandemic. It, yeah. And I've never met her in person. And changed the arc of my life fundamentally yeah and one of the ways she did it was as we were coming up with the plan because i was like i don't really have anywhere to go mm. um 
And I started saying, maybe I will go to New York. I don't know. And I'd always wanted to live here. Uh, and she said, well, you know what? I know a guy who has a sober house in New York. And I'm like, well, okay. So she looked it up and found the name of the sober house. And I sent a text. And that's how I ended up at the sober house. Right? I mean, and, and the funny thing is that my therapist and my friend who runs the sober house, like, she barely knew him. Like, she had heard of him. Like, she didn't actually know him. But it was just enough. It was just enough. Yeah. And you couple that with, I finally had the willingness yeah. that desperation produces. Yeah. And realizing that I was out of options. I had nowhere to go. I mean, you know, and, and it's that moment when you realize that, like, I mean, not that no one cares if you live or die, but, like, no one cares enough that it's going to get noticed for a while. When you think about it that way, like, hmm, that's pretty empty. A little bit. That you realize, hit me you realize how empty your life is. Yeah. And that's what I realized. And I just, I don't know, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I moved into the sober house. And that's how I got my first year of sobriety. Um, and then things took off from there. Yeah. That's a, I, I can't believe I've never heard that story before. Yeah, that's, that's, how, I, that's how I landed here and how, how things finally happened for me. And, you know, one of the turning points, and I talk about this a lot, is it was a night. I mean, it was probably this time of year. Um, and because I was in the sober house in September and October. Um, and I was in bed. And I was thinking about how fucked up my life was. And I'm... 57 years old and I'm living in a sober house, a halfway house, let's be honest, a group house with like 10 other alcoholics and addicts. Um, like this is not a place anyone like dreams of ending up. No. And it was not a place that I ever thought. And that's where I was. And everything about my life was uncertain. Everything was at that moment behind me. There was nothing in front of me. That I, that I knew of. And those are the things I was thinking. And what I realized as I kept thinking those things was that for the first time, I wasn't getting upset. Like my mind wasn't racing. I didn't have that feeling in the pit of your stomach when you yeah. start to feel panic and, and desperation. Yeah. Like I didn't have any of that. And and I and I and like I, I can see myself keep going and it's like I couldn't get a handhold and at some point I was like literally kind of like this isn't gonna work and I stopped and I think that night was a night that I finally glimpsed that like this is when they talk about serenity that's what it is yeah yeah it's the ability to find that calm patch even when everything is shitty around you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that moment, like, everything was shitty around me. And the next day didn't feel so shitty. I don't think serenity is that everything in life turns hunky-dory right. and gets topped with whipped cream. 
it's that you now have a little patch of calm water. So year two, I would say, was building cockiness and swagger. Oh, Randy. Randy, cockiness and swagger. I, no, and I wrote about this. I mean, I would say year two was like my junior year of high school. <laughs> and it's like, hey, look at me. I have this shit down. What? And I'm one of the cool kids. And Sorry. just wait until next year. Like, when I am running this stuff. But that was my second year. I think you know, but but that but that was okay. It was a it was a sense of growing confidence. You start to relax a little bit because you do know the deal. You're in kind of a groove. You're yeah. in kind of a rhythm, and so yeah, it makes sense, right? That you start to feel good about things. I think year three, you finally confront, or at least I did, like okay, what am I going to do with this? And you know, years one and two, like it's kind of enough to be sober, right? You can kind of say to yourself, you know, like, maybe I don't have to win the Nobel Prize this year. Right. Because I'm sober. <laughs> I can put that off, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think it's fine to give yourself a pass for a while. Like, that's enough. That's hard work. That's, yeah. I mean, changing your life. But I, at some point, I think you start to be like, okay, like, what am I going to do with this? Like, what, what, what is life going to be like? Yeah. And that's a harder... That's a harder thing, and, it, and I think it forces you to confront different questions. More questions about who you are. Yeah, and what you want. And what you want. Um, and I think part of that process is very retrospective, because part of figuring out what you want is identifying what you clearly don't want again or shouldn't have had. Right. You know, the natural progression, if you think about it. Like, step one, I have a problem. Step two, I'm coming to understand that there's a way out. This is kind of groovy. Step three is, well, now what do we do? How do we make this happen? Right. Yes, thank you. More coffee? Yeah, please. Yeah, a little more coffee. A little more coffee, too. Thank you. Well, I want to ask you some alcoholic lighting round questions. Okay. But is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? <laughs> oh, it feels like the moment. When my parents say, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? <laughs> is there, Randy, is there anything else you would like to tell us? Well, me? I'm just trying to calculate what it is that you might know about that would look good for me to disclose. No, I've learned a lot. I've actually learned a lot of new things about you today. I'm, I'm very pleased. No, but that actually is the way I used to have to think about things. Like, what, if you would ask you me know? a question like, well, is there anything else? I had to, like, is there something else that they might know? And if I just deny this completely, I'm going to look bad. So I own up to it right now. Listen, and like, you know what? I think to me, that's one of the, that's one of the many gifts that comes with sobriety is I no longer have to keep, I call them spider webs. Like I no longer have to keep track of my webs. Like what did I tell this person? And then what did I tell that person to cover up what I said before? And, and it's just so much simpler. All right, we got to get back to the alcoholic light. I know, I'm sorry. Okay. It's time now for the alcoholic lightning round. There's four questions. Are we ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. What's your view on non-alcoholic beverages? I'm not really interested in them. The recovering alcoholic in me is a little wary of reigniting those circuits. The OG alcoholic who still lives in me is like, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> a 
agree. I feel like that part of me would be very angry if I did that. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel I tricked. Okay. Next. What is in your pocket right now? <laughs> He's checking for those Nothing. who can't see. Nothing. Third question. Do you have a nickname other than Randy? I do. What is it? Let me tell you this. Here's a hint. All three words are the same length. Wait, the, the nickname that you have is consists of three words? Randy, this is a, a round for you. I'm not supposed to be guessing right now. It's funny how that happened, isn't it? <laughs> oh, how the tables turn. I used to get paid a fair amount of money to do this kind Wait, of stuff. Wait, hold on. I need, yeah, actually, this is why I don't like doing this with you. Can we go back, though? Because sure. Yeah. But I need, and I want to know this three-letter one. Can I get the length of each? What's the word? No, 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 no. Can I get a first letter? Can I play Wheel of Fortune right now? Uh, I no. Can I get um, a vowel? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna grant part of your wish. I'm gonna I'm gonna rule a vowel out, and that's why. I don't know. I have no idea. Won't this be fun to think about then? You're seriously not gonna tell me? This is a podcast. You're asking me to announce my secret nickname on a podcast, which I think would lead it to no longer being considered a secret. This is an honest program. And I answered, yes, I have a nickname. Um, are you motivated more by food or fear? <laughs> um, I, I would say fear. If those are my two choices, yeah, fear. Yeah, I think food... Food is a huge mood changer, absolutely, but all of my motives come from fear. Something I should work on. That's another question. Friend or foe, Taco Bell. Friend. All right, so how did I do? You did fantastic, aside from the fact that you think Taco Bell is a friend. But that's a fault. It's all right. Well, since that's one of only four questions, you think I got that one wrong. Like, I don't think I did that fantastic. No, I think you did pretty fantastic. You know what, I'll give you a pass because it's your anniversary. So to bring it all home, I just want to wish you the warmest and happiest of anniversaries. Well, well, I wouldn't ordinarily accept charity like that. Thank you very much. No, that really means a lot to me. <laughs> so thank you very much. We'll do this again. Absolutely. I will see you soon, my friend. That's another episode of Breakfast with an Alcoholic. I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, I hope you enjoyed it so much that you subscribe. And to make that easy, I put a button down there. You can just push it. Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> cool. When you subscribe, you get the daily gratitude list, all of the future episodes of Breakfast with an Alcoholic, the liner notes, the official discography, and so much more. The really great news? you can subscribe today for free. I mean, you're probably also going to be able to subscribe tomorrow for free, but wouldn't today be better? Also, I know it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's totally cool if you want to tell your friends about us. It's thanks, F-L-M-S, thanks for letting me share, on Instagram and Twitter. And I put another button down there to make it super easy to share. So, subscribe, like, share, follow, and I will be very grateful. On a serious note, if you need help or want to learn more, nyintergroup.org has a complete listing of AA resources in New York, and there's an intergroup site for every state and a lot of countries. If you want to ask us, we can try to point you in the right direction too. 
So that's it. You can look forward to the liner notes for this episode soon, and I'm already excited about the next breakfast, and not just because there are going to be pancakes involved. Until then, be well, stay groovy, go to a meeting, and call your sponsor. Thanks for letting me share.